Trauma teachers, this is Patrick along with This is Craig from Craig and Them. That's right. And so Craig has been on had been on uh, Aaron and I's podcast and we were on Craig's podcast. Um and then I'd actually I told you I'd actually thought about asking you if you wanted to, to get this started back up, but I'm I'm off the gram. So I thought you were maybe <laughs> still doing Craig and Them and then you asked me, so we just Yeah, yeah. You know, it's I think life just got in the way i think for everybody for a little while there and my no mind went on hiatus inadvertently and so yeah that's great to team up see what we can do yeah i think at the end aaron and i because we weren't seeing each other as much and the kids weren't really transferring classes so we were more just kind of like (laughs) talking about stuff we'd read and like old students and so i think i think this would be good though because it's been it's been kind of a weird transition back to school, mm-hmm. um, and also we've discussed like talking about things outside of trauma, yeah. but that may impact young people. Right. So, and you had a topic you wanted to discuss today. Yeah, you know, um, on my podcast a few, probably about a year ago, uh, my wife and I interviewed um, the gentleman that wrote the book, uh, The New Kid, um, and his name is jerry craft jerry craft he wrote the book the new kid and it's a book about young man um young black kid who is starting at a at a private school a majority white private school up in new york and it was just talking a lot about race and not overt racism but more like um microaggressions and what he had to deal with to just kind of figure out how do i fit into this situation how do i fit back into my own neighborhood when i go home you know, just kind of the, the switching that he has to do and figuring out, like, how do I be myself in this environment? Um, and so that kind of led to a bigger discussion just about, you know, some of the books that are being banned because that I read recently or a few months ago that he was supposed to speak at a school in Texas and a parent didn't want him to come because she felt like this was talking about, you know, it was the whole... Um, you know, race, critical race theory, you know, this is critical race theory. We're teaching kids about, you know, to, to feel bad for themselves. And it's like, no, you're, this kid feels bad. So we want to show you his story, not make you feel bad for it, but just to understand that he has a story too. Right. And, and I, I mean, I was in the reverse situation growing up, mm-hmm. went to private school. Um, like maybe we may have like 50 kids a grade and there'd always be probably three or four minorities. Mm-hmm. And, like when you actually talked to me about that book, I was thinking that would have been a great thing for us to read in class. Right. Because like you said, they weren't they're not intentional, but they're they're dumb things that kids say. Right. Like, you know, I remember there was a black kid who wasn't good at sports and we were like, Why aren't you good at basketball? You know, we <laughs> right. weren't like I was really like eight being an eight year old. Right. But if you know, that book sounds great. Yeah. Or like I mean just things like touching someone's head, like all those kinds of things that eight-year-olds do because they're eight. Right. You're not... I, and I think the, the lens people try to look 38 at... 38-year-olds do because they're... <laughs> right. right. <laughs> right. Seriously. And it, I think the lens people always look at it from is like, you're telling my kid they're bad or they're mm-hmm. doing something wrong or, or like when, um, you know, people immediately respond to, I'm not racist. Like right. that, like that, I'm sure that's not where that book is coming from. Right. That book was probably written from a place of, hey, I was in this situation or... My friend's kid was in this situation, and this mm-hmm. would be a cool book 
in a situation like this to help people out on right. both sides. Yeah, on both sides, right? Like you said, because I mean, you, you if you're that unexposed, right, to people of color. Um, me, I grew up um, in a area that was majority black, of course. And then I, when I went to high school, like some of my best friends were white kids. I went to a PWI, um, predominantly white institution. I went to Virginia Tech. And when I got there, it was a culture shock a bit, right? Because while I hung out with white kids all the time, it was still weird to be the token. Right. Right. <laughs> in certain situations and so it was weird because you did get asked oh you play football i was so my experience too growing up I, I played basketball and so you know did a lot of aau trips and and i don't know if you know much about aau basketball but it's basically like 15 kids in a van mm -hmm. but it was just like that was my only experience so then when you would we would go back to high school um i think my high school was about 20 percent black but just i remember if, like looking back, it just seems so odd to me because all the black kids, you know, the, there's the book, but they all sat in one part of the cafeteria. And I think the interactions between the white kids and the black kids at school were, in my experience, always cordial, but they were very superficial. Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't a lot of hanging out together after school. So, so having a speaker come in like that and be like, hey, maybe this is why people feel odd here. Or, you know, th maybe you're doing this and, and that's having an unintended negative effect on your relationship with these kids. Like this school could be more submersive because right. I, I don't think for either side, it was it, not side, but for either group of people, it was a it was a positive experience at all. Like there was no I didn't grow at all. And then I went to a small uh, private college. I was almost all white. And then, you know, so just like looking back, it's one of my biggest regrets in life to not be around other kids like that. So just getting back to the book thing, it's like such a strange such a strange book to ban, right? In my yeah. opinion, in my opinion, yeah. And, and and I think it's great that you, like, you do want that exposure, right? So that's why you are reading different things and trying to get more information on things, and why it is so concerning that you know there are politicians who are telling kids, you know, I don't want you to read that. I don't want you to understand the history of other people because it's going to make you feel bad about yourself, and it's like. It's, it's just so, and we'll get, we can definitely get into the trauma with this, but like for like last month, I uh, showed my kids <clears throat> why the CIA murdered Fred Hampton. Mm -hmm. And it was like an 18 minute video on Vox. It was great. And and none of the kids started like saying they wanted to join Antifa right. or railing against this. I mean, I, I have very negative feelings <laughs> on the CIA, but, but more like stuff a long time. Well, I mean, still, but um, like none of the kids started flipping over desks right. and saying, I can't believe this happened. Like, I mean, our kids are develop a little slower, probably, but you can't just. I mean, when are kids going to learn this stuff? Right. If you're not even if you're not willing to present something like that in high school, mm -hmm. and, and some of the things that one of the things that gets me about it too is that you know, as a black kid growing up in Virginia, I had to sit through classes where they talked about enslaved people, right? But I'm not supposed to be feel about about bit bad about the fact that. I'm not getting any information about how, you know, my people contributed to the growth of this country. It's just, they were enslaved. It's just this thing that happened and, and we just leave it at that. And so when there are stories written about, well, this is what that looked like and this is what these people, you know, now we're not, we're not gonna talk about that because right. that's gonna make the majority feel bad about themselves. It's like, that's, yeah. but it doesn't matter how I feel. <laughs> and I, I think, I think my, like, you never know how your memory works, but I remember, like I remember learning about the Black Panther Party, and there was always pictures of guys with machine guns, right. and that was like 
first of all, the reason they had machine guns was because they would carry around the, the Constitution of California, mm -hmm. and it, I, this is my state right to have a gun. And the reason they had the guns is because people in their neighborhood were being abused by police. Right. So they would stand there with the gun so the cops wouldn't beat the mm -hmm. hell out of people. Mm -hmm. And like, but but any even in like textbooks, they're standing there with leather jackets on, always no smile, mm -hmm. machine guns. And that's what I thought about the Black Panther Party until like three years ago when I read a book about it. And so that's the kind of stuff, like you said, it's this where people get mad about like things going maybe the other way too far now, which I don't follow that stuff as much. But it's like, what about, like, not two wrongs don't make a right, but what about all this stuff we learned growing up right. that is completely false? Right. Not only is it wrong, but it's, I mean, not only was it not presented, but the stuff that was presented is objectively false. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, so it's just very odd. Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, the story that sticks out to me, well, one, you know, like you said, and for those who don't know what the Black Panther Party did, one of the, the one of the wonderful things they started was they started, you know, these, these summer eating programs for kids, right? So that these kids could eat during the summer because this was a poor, these were poor neighborhoods and they were taking care of the, the neighborhood. They weren't just out there holding guns and trying to be up against the police. They were actually trying to do good things for the neighborhood. So if you don't know more about it, just go and read. You know, those types of stories that are pressed upon us, right? To think of people in a certain way. But then when we talk about these books that give us a different perspective on things and they're being banned you know and as an english teacher i wonder like how do you think about that so um i so a book needs a conflict right mm -hmm. and that's so like even so for middle school like the kids love the book hatchet mm -hmm. but it, he has su suicidal ideation mm -hmm. um he's suffering intensely like he, his parents have just gone through a really traumatic divorce mm -hmm. so in my opinion it I mean, within reason, like I wouldn't probably, I wouldn't read a book about sexual trauma. Like we read it unbroken, but we read the young adult version because I don't want the kids reading 150 pages of him being tortured. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, within reason, I, I don't think you can, you can help kids learn without presenting them interesting ideas and any interesting ideas can have a conflict. Mm -hmm. Like I can't even think of a book that we could read that wouldn't have some type of strife. Right. So I, I try to present the kids with with all kinds of materials, all different perspectives. And then I always tell them if we are watching something questionable um, or, or reading something that may have a little bit of trauma in there, that if you feel uncomfortable, please let me know. We'll switch books. Um, you, you know, you're always welcome to walk out of the classroom with a support coach. But if, if this book is really making you uncomfortable, then we can switch books. And I have had kids come to me before. I can't remember what book it was. Mm -hmm. um, I know where the red fern grows was not a hit because the dogs died at the end. <laughs> right. But I don't think any kids said it was like traumatic. But that was one I was like, we're not going to read that again. Right. Because the kids, they didn't, they didn't know that. Like I, I figured one of them had read it before maybe mm -hmm. told the other ones. Like the end, was, I remember it was like one of the worst days I've ever had teaching because a bunch of the kids started crying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can't, there was one book and someone was like, this just makes me feel uncomfortable. It was something mm -hmm. from their past, and I was like, okay, and then we just switch books. Right. Um, but and you're dealing with kids with trauma, right? right? Who are and, and we, you know, that's not to say that a typical classroom doesn't have kids with trauma in it, but we know that every single kid in your classroom has some type of trauma that right. they're dealing with, which is why they're here. Um, and so when we're presenting these things to the students in a general ed classroom, you know, we have to think about that, yeah. But like you said, it's also it also gives them the opportunity to learn how to deal with emotions right right and i think like a book like um the color purple or to kill a mockingbird like 
I would tell the kids there there is some graphic stuff in here, and then I would let them. Because um, what what do we we took a poll the other day? It was um the the movie about the Tuskegee Airmen, mm-hmm. and I was like, there are white people. I was like, this movie is by, overall appropriate, and it's a really good message, and I think it's a really good movie, um, and it's got some history in it. But there are white people in authority calling black people the n-word and mm-hmm. two of the kids were like i don't want to watch it and mm-hmm. so we didn't watch it right. like so I, I usually just present it to the class and as you know our kids are they're pretty honest yeah. with their opinions yeah. like they're usually not going to watch something that that they don't want to watch right. but i think you always have to check yeah. i don't really know how that would work in the public school setting but i think you could i mean i think you could send home something to the mm-hmm. parents and if and if they're one of them is adamant about it and has a decent reason then you know yeah. then they could just get a, there's a million books right. and why not opt, or why not just opt your kid out Right, right. We we had the option of being opted out of certain things when we were kids, right? You, your parent didn't want you to do sex ed. You didn't have to do sex ed, right? right? You, I'm going to opt my kid out. It's the same thing with you know certain books. All right, well, I'll give you an alternative book to read, you know, and maybe we'll figure out a way of having you do the the work, or you can go somewhere else while we're having class discussions about it or whatever. But it's I don't know. It, it's just odd to me that we're so we. Like you said it great earlier before we started recording about how we expect kids to act like adults in certain situations, but we don't give them the opportunity to learn how to think like adults. Right. Right. And I think the way the, where, where, where the red fern grows is a great example in terms of the dogs dying at the end. We don't know. We don't want to subject our kids to grief all the time, but they, in a book is better than the first time them experiencing grief is when their actual dog dies or when their grandparent dies, right? So allow them to, all right, let's process this. How how does that feel? That's that's that really sucks. You know, let's right. talk about it. How do you think the kids in the book felt? You know, or how do you think these people felt if this happened? Like, what? How would you have dealt with that? Right. You know. And I saw like one of the books that was, which I I'm gonna be honest, I haven't read it, but one of the books that was, um, because I tried to read it in my class and I think I was told that it wouldn't be a good idea was The Hate You Give. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was because they were smoking. They smoked mar- There's a party at the beginning and they're like smoking weed. And, mm-hmm. and I think th- there's people having sex. But I'm like, high school kids are doing those things. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know the percentage, but the percentage of kids that graduate high school and haven't smoked weed or fooled around with some, I mean, it has to be like it very small, mm-hmm. right? So it's just, at times it's like, what are we we're, we're like guarding these kids from things they're already doing. Mm-hmm. And that's some of the stuff that, I, that I'll show in my class. I'm like, yeah, there's cussing, but our kids cuss. Cuss all the time. They cuss more than me. Yeah, way more than me. <laughs> like, I mean, I, and I don't, I don't mind cussing, but like right. our kids, it's like every other word. So I'm like, what are we doing here? Right. We're not going to show them a PG-13 movie because they're traumatized, but they're in a facility with, you know, it's just at yeah. some point it becomes incredibly counterproductive and i think you know and i have two young boys myself right and so i have to have conversations with them about things that are difficult right my 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 oldest is 10 years old and he's starting to have questions about certain things and you know it becomes a teaching opportunity right if there's something that and that's why we teach right that's why we that's why i do therapy with people is going to trying to teach them how to look at things a little bit differently and how to like re-examine the way in which they look at the world which i think is what books do and how english teachers can be great is like all right let's look at see how somebody else looks at the world right and i think i mean reading 
I like I wish I had read so much more when I was younger. And I think sometimes it just takes one book to get a kid going. Mm-hmm. And then they can make their own opinions on the world instead of someone else like me. Like I don't think it's a teacher's job to download their personal opinions right. to a kid. And I feel like that's a lot of our the problem with our society right now is is people just want to download their opinions onto mm-hmm. other people and then the thing I really don't understand going back to the banning is the outrage. Or like if if an idea is broached to be taught in public school that you don't agree with, like then then talk about it in like a mm-hmm. you can talk to your friends, you can talk to your kids about like say my kids I I'm not Catholic. Say I end up sending my kids to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. I will tell them, Hey, I don't believe in this certain aspect of it. You're gonna learn this and you can make your own opinion. Yeah. You know, it's just this like this like new outrage where people can't be subjected to ideas that might be false mm-hmm. or that people disagree with. I I don't I just can't understand it. And it's not even that the ideas are are false as much as it's just that they're choosing not to look at that aspect of it. You know, right. it's like I don't want to see it from that point of view, so therefore I won't. Which is you know like you said it's concerning. My my kids go to a Christian school, right? And so but you know I'm an well, a supporter of the LGBTQ community, right? And so I have friends who are LGBTQ and, you know, I had people on my podcast who who are and we had those conversations about those things and I have to have those conversations with my kids, right? About that a little bit, you know, and say, yeah, that's just a different perspective, right? right. I, I can't tell you for a fact one way or the other what it is is other than from my perspective, people that I call friends probably wouldn't have chosen that right. lifestyle because right. of the, the because of the blowback they've gotten yeah. over their, the course of their lives for it. And that's another strange thing with all this. I feel like when I talk to people in person, as opposed to 20 years ago, people have, I feel like so many people have changed their opinion and, mm-hmm. and we've progressed as a society, but then you look online or you read an article on one of the, net, or you see a story on one of the news networks mm-hmm. and it's like, we're stuck in the 1950s. Yeah. It's just, it's so odd to me. And then, like you said, it's people look at it through their perspective mm-hmm. and then they don't even want to broach the other side of it. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to learn as a person. And then I think, like I said earlier, the scariest thing is you're downloading all those preconceived beliefs that probably that have holes in them to your children yeah. or to your students or, or to whoever you're influencing. And then to get off topic, but there's so many things so many worse things online, right, than right. there are in books. Right, no, for sure. <laughs> At least with no. a book, we can talk about it. I can read it with you. We can read it with your kid, and you can talk about it with your kid. You have no idea of some of the things that your kids are watching on YouTube. You no. Have no idea of some of the kids, things your kids are seeing on TikTok, right? Unless you are like a hawk, like a, a helicopter parent, a storm cloud, cloud parent over their shoulders all the time. You don't know. And so... I think that's what happens is we, especially now, because you can, you can seek out things that agree with you. And then the more you seek it out, the more it's going to be fed to you because we have algorithms that do that. Oh, this is what you're interested in. This is what I'm going to show you. And so you get more and more backbone and belief of what you, what you've already kind of, kind of decided was true. And now that you've gotten this information and more information and more information, now you're like, oh, no, I know it's true because all these people say it. But I could look at the exact opposite and get just as many people saying the exact opposite. And now we're just, like, yelling at each other because we haven't had discourse. Yeah, and and going, and going like with the kids, it's 
I mean, I remember in middle school someone said the lead singer of Guns N' Roses was a robot. Like he had died. And, was, and I believe that. Right. right. So kids are getting false information all the, all the time. time. So I would much rather my kid be presented with false information or differing opinions and learn to reason. Mm-hmm. Because kids are always going to listen. Even though this makes no sense, they're going to listen to their peers way more than they're going to listen to an adult. Right. So there's really no point of like stopping that stuff because they're going to hear the craziest things you've ever – I mean, I, we – and it was a private school, and there was a public school up the road, and the, the rumors that were started about the, you know, they all bring guns to school. I mean, just the most absurd, mm-hmm. just the most absurd things you hear all the time. So I, I just, it, it's very odd to me. Right, right. And it's because we, we just choose to believe it and not and not to to kind of give opposite opinions of it. I, we just started watching this, um, this lovely little cartoon on Netflix. It's called Karma's World, and it's a little black girl who has natural hair, and she... She's a rapper and she's a really cool little girl. She's like 12. Had a sleepover and her little friends came over and her friends were little, I think a couple of little white girls and then maybe an Asian girl. And they were talking about her hair. Is your hair normal? Like, can we do it like normal people's hair? And it's like, wait, what? And it, they did a wonderful job of talking about it without like making it a big deal. But she was just like, hey, it made me, real, it made me feel really bad when you talk about my hair that way, right? So can we teach? And books, like we said, have a great way of teaching those types of conversations. We can have these conversations and say, hey, how did, like you were talking about with the Tuskegee Airmen, which I remember watching when I was 12. Watched it 10 times because I loved the movie, right? right? Um, because it, it made me feel good about being a black man. Hey, those guys were really cool. I look like them. They look like me. This is awesome, right? There's a picture, <laughs> there's a picture of me. Um, the Super Bowl a few years ago when they first showed the first um, trailer for, for Black Panther, I was on my knees in front of the TV like a little kid because I was just like, I'm seeing somebody that looks like me and being able to, in, in a positive light, you know, right? And so I don't remember being able to read those types of books when I was a kid, right? right. Those weren't the books that I was shown. And so now that those books are coming forward and they're being set aside or banned, it's really sad. It makes me sad. So yeah, I, I find it. Yeah, it, it is. It's just kind of, it's just depressing to, mm-hmm. to like, and you know, within reason, like you don't right. want your kids reading like Mein Kampf and like when right. they're 11, but like, if a, but anything for me, anything that would promote a conversation like that between right. kids, because kids are so honest, mm-hmm. they can tell each other how they feel and then the kids can kind of navigate it and figure it out in their own little way. But if we restrict them to books where everything is, Oh, if, you, if you're in trouble, someone's always going to help you. Like, right. that's not that's a life not lesson. <laughs> or, like, right. the, you know, people aren't really right. Ra- well, there are some people that are. So, yeah. like, if you encounter one of those people, this is how you, you navigate it. This is, mm-hmm. this is how you could talk to them. If, if someone's doing something that's bothering you, this is mm-hmm. how you can say it in a constructive way, mm-hmm. which is really hard to learn from adults right now. I feel like right. you're not really going to look – like when, you're, you're, I'm, when your mom's arguing with some person in Arkansas on Facebook, right. like that's not you're, – you're, you're learning it from your peers. Right. Um, Which and, is why I think it's great. Like as an English teacher, I think it's fantastic that you can give the kids the opportunity to have those conversations. Like let's have appropriate discourse around this. Let me teach you how to have discourse right. around this particular topic. Because you're not going to see it on the news. You're not going to see it on the internet. So let's figure out, how do we talk about this? This is, what do you think about that? That's some really, you know, jacked up stuff that just happened in that book, don't you think? Yeah, that was jacked up. What are we, but, all right, let's talk about it. What do you think about it over yeah. there? A little, little Stevie, what do you think? Right. You know, Callie, what do you think? You know, having these, them talk about it in a, you know, in a appropriate manner without it becoming 
where you're just stupid. And it's I think it's good as as a teacher too, or anyone that works with kids, to get in those awkward conversations. Like, um, like we learned about Claudette Colvin, and all the kids were like, "Well." Are you saying Rosa Parks was staged? And I was like, it was staged in a way. Mm-hmm. And then like, are you saying, you know? And then it's like, is she not? I'm like, no, I'm not saying she's not a hero. Right. I'm I'm just telling you historically what happened, and that that is really cool that a 15 year old was able to do this, right. but they didn't use her, they didn't use her for obvious reasons. She yeah. was pregnant she was at the time. Dark. She was darker skinned, <laughs> yeah. and that's and so that leads to all these conversations. Yeah. Like, why? Well, that's messed up. Yes, it is. But the story also shows that you that as a fifteen year old you can do something you can make a change right and and it also proves, shows you that life's not fair because she didn't get any credit for that and it had to be one of the bravest things the humans ever done at fifteen right. years old in Alabama to not get up from your bus seat mm-hmm. um, so that started a whole conversation and it kind of did make me like wow I should have prepared for this more I should have been ready to to explain to them, first of all, that Rosa Parks was an amazing person, was an NAACP, had an unbelievable career in life, but that this was done first by a 15-year-old instead of, like, me backing my way out of the conversation, right? But I feel like it was good for me to have that kind of reaction. So it's a, it's, it's a very, like, layered topic, but, but I, I do it, – it's scary to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Because, I mean, you know, one of the idioms that I've always kind of – heard and always felt was very true is like if you're if you forget the past you're going to repeat it right Right. so books are a mirror or a window into the past it shows us what the world was like to a certain degree through other people's eyes and no it's not they're not always completely you know there it's fiction so there's going to be some things that are embellished and those there's some things that are non-fiction which are probably still a little bit embellished (laughs) but for sure there's always there's always yeah because it's somebody's perspective on it but getting that perspective versus not getting that perspective i think that's a big gap it creates such a huge gap in just your ability to use common sense your ability to just have a complete a complete um knowledgeable thought about something if you're only coming from your point of view and what has been fed to you the whole time, you can't have a knowledgeable point of view of it. Right. You know, because that open your your conversation about Claudette and um, and Rosa opens up a whole nother, you know, caveat of conversation around colorism in the black community and all these things that you know, and there's just so many nuanced pieces to the stories that are out there that we have to tell and that have been told. But we're being told that we can't read them. Right. And, and for what we do, I mean, it's, if I didn't read about it, then I would be furious every second I'm here. Right. But when you read that, oh, trauma affects the brain mm-hmm. and certain kids or all of our, you know, when they're in conflict, they're not really thinking. So you yelling at them is doing nothing. Like right. even now, if I encountered someone, say, on a public bus or, or at a basketball game or whatever that was having that kind of episode, like I would at least know like, hey, give them space, yeah. you know, and, and – and the most frustrating part about working here to me is trying to explain that to people mm-hmm. um, that just aren't ready to hear it. And I'm not I, – I hope I'm not annoying about it or anything, but I'm like you can't – like it, I'm like you can't go through life like this thinking yeah. there's like good people and bad people and the bad people are out to hurt the good people. And, and it's like there's people that have had horrific things happen to them and mm-hmm. there's people that have had really good childhoods. And it's not an excuse for doing horrific things, but there's reasons for yeah. people's behavior. Yeah, and I'm a total nerd, right? And so um, I love comic books and comic book movies and those types of things. And, you know, it speaks to that idea that, you know, back in, 
you know, the 30s, I think, they came up with comics code because they were saying that, you know, these detective comics and horror comics were contributing to um, the delinquency of children. It was junk science, but it right. came out, right? Um, and so when they created the comic code, it was basically bad guys are bad, good guys are good, good guys always win, right? And there were certain things that couldn't happen, no sex, none of that stuff. It was just bad right. guys are bad, good guys are good, right. good guys always win. But now that you're, now you're seeing, you know, um, these stories where you're getting an aspect of this, the character that you're, the villain that you didn't, weren't getting before, you're seeing, oh, this person was treated poorly. Right. This person was bullied. This person was abused. There's trauma in their history that is creating, that's created them to be what they are, right? And so, yeah, I, be annoying. Right. Be annoying about it because I think we have to help people to understand that, like you said, 99.9% of people are not born bad. Right. right. There, there might be some people out there who are just awful, awful human beings who just do awful But even awful then, things. you're born... And, You're right. and then but the, the, the responses to me are what always bothers me because it's like, oh, that person shouldn't go to jail. I'm like, no, they absolutely should yeah. if they kill someone. But like but but even the people that are born like that, it's like they were born these these from learning about the trauma and, and how our kids are impacted, these aren't like premeditated decisions. Yeah. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna kill someone or yeah. I'm gonna go out. It's like, oh no, this person was molested and their father beat them and they were locked in a closet and they have an unbelievable amount of anger that they never got help for and then they did something horrendous. Right. That the story started when they were two, two not yeah. tonight on the daily news, you know, whatever. Yeah. This this rampaging psychopath. Right. You know, career criminal. Right. Right. <laughs> career, right. <laughs> right. And there, there's always and there of course to run a society there has to be repercussions. But that doesn't mean that you can't understand where that person is coming from. And also, if we had services for those kids when that stuff happens, instead of sending them to juvenile detention. Right. Where they get worse. Right. Or even, I love this, I love have loved working here, but even mm-hmm. somewhere like here where you have 35 mentally ill kids who have been traumatized living together. Like, mm-hmm. all the research shows that that makes kids pick up more behaviors. Mm-hmm. And, and our kids are savvy and learn more bad habits from other kids. Right. Like, they could be integrated in a program with typically developing kids and, mm-hmm. and given the help they need, you know, if 11 year old steals a bike or, you know, punches his mom once or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, it's just, it's like a never ending just cycle that we're kind of continuing. Yeah. yeah. But that's my one tangent for, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. I've been all over the place, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's a really interesting conversation that, I mean, I know we've been kind of all over the place. We're really supposed to be talking about the band books and we've you know touched on that quite a bit, but I think it, all of that offers itself to a larger conversation. And so I'm glad we were able to have that larger conversation um, because I think it's important. I think it's important that, you know, a black man and a white man can sit across from each other and have discourse, right? <laughs> and me not scream at you, I'm not racist. Right? <laughs> right? Exactly. Listen! <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's... It's just important that we can have these conversations. Right, I agree. And that, that was fun. We winged it, but that was fun. Yeah, that was good stuff. So everyone that's still with us, um, <laughs> hopefully Aaron's in Vegas listening. Right. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll have one, another one out soon. And I and, uh, really appreciate you all listening. Yeah.